welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Leg of the Ozarks Podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I'm your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know, you can download any of these free apps, any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcast, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. Join the thousands upon thousands listening every week from all over this blue marble planet. Who do we have on the analytics today? Uh, the United States is kicking us off at the top of the list, of course. we got Nigeria, Philippines, Singapore, Latvia, Australia, Canada. we got Malaysia and Norway and Nambia and Malawi and Germany and Switzerland and India and Japan and Mexico, South Africa, Bahamas, Spain, United Kingdom, Ireland, New Zealand, Portugal, and, of course, parts unknown. Appreciate you all helping us to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good stuff. If you're from parts unknown, let us know. I don't know what that means. Well, I hope this series has been helping you as we've been looking into doorways to deception. And I, I did, I jumped ahead a little bit today. Now, for those of you listening later, this isn't going to matter. Usually, if you follow us, you know it is Thursdays that I like to post the podcast, record the podcast. I just finished with television this morning, um, but I've got some things to do this week, and I will not be anywhere near Studio B this Thursday. So, yes, it is Tuesday. Don't get it mixed up. If you're thinking, oh, no, is it Thursday already? If you're paying attention, no, it is Tuesday. I thought about waiting, but, um, you know, May not be any different for any of you at all. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you joining me. As I mentioned, very long series, Doorways to Deception. I keep thinking, uh, well, it's going to end soon. And then God says, is that right? (laughs) Is that right? Uh, Well, I thought I had some more to say, he says. So I'm just following him. And uh, I thank you for allowing me to do so, as I know this is helping me. And it is my hopes it's helping you to recognize these doorways and more importantly, to shut them down, close them off, stop allowing the devil any right to affect our lives. So we've been on a particular topic here and it's a big one. It's an ugly one. Pride. We've been on this for a couple of weeks now. Today will be no different because this one, it is so sneaky. It is so destructive. And it finds its way into Christianity and churches and ministries and our walk with God. And it is just a big old fat, ugly thing. And so we have spent some time identifying pride, but the Bible does more than just identify it. Uh, It also shows us how to eliminate it. So I was going to say, let me share three things with you today. These things that we can do to prevent pride from entering into our lives. There's no way I'm going to get to all three. I can see that. That's not going to happen. It's going to be a series of podcasts as we continue to work our way through that. Um, but they can, they can uh, it, help prevent it entering our lives. And the other cool part is help remove pride that possibly has found its way in already. And so we've already seen that Lucifer. We know that's our prime example of pride, the effects of it. And, you know, you would think that he would have, um, you know, ha- having a guy that... Uh, had everything. He had anything and everything that you could want to have. 
but that's just like it, isn't it? Let's look at it. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 15, son of man, take up a, a, a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The satis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. Isn't that something with all of that? He still came to a place where he said, as we see in Isaiah 14, yeah, but I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. So we can see uh, at the root of this rebellion, pride, and how about dissatisfaction with what he had? So Lucifer, who has fallen, uh, now called Satan or the serpent, then tempted Adam and Eve the same way with the same thing that caused him to fall. It was pride. Now you think about this. At that time, every single thing on the earth was subject to Adam's authority. Right? He, he was just made in the image and the likeness of the Almighty God who proclaimed that man could partake of every tree in the garden but one, just one. And as we know, Adam chooses to partake of the only thing that was forbidden to him because the devil lied to him, deceived him into thinking that it would elevate his status to that of God himself, which is Satan's deal the whole time, right? This is what he's always trying to do. I mean, Adam was almost there anyway. He was so close with the full authority over every single thing on planet earth, but one tree? Here's the lesson, kids. If you are acting out of carnal motives and methods, having a dissatisfaction for what God has given you to do right now, what God has given under your authority now, right? And under your authority, under your, right? But I want more. I want more because I, I, then let me tell you, all of your best efforts, and I'm talking as good as they are, those things that you're trying to promote, uh, that are trying to promote change in your life, aren't going to produce the blessing of God's will in your life. Because you know your motive was always to promote yourself. Even if it is a help to the church and fulfilling some role that they needed help in, if you're doing it for self-promotion, God will not bless it. And it's going to blow up in your face. And that thing that you loved and wanted so much, it will not work. You have to develop an attitude of being content with where he has you right now. You know, like faithful with the smaller things. Nobody likes to do the smaller things anymore. Well, not faithful there. You won't get anywhere, and you're going to struggle to maintain even what you currently have. And you'll be sitting there wondering why what used to work well, isn't working now. And I feel like I'm going backwards. Yes, you are, because God's hand isn't in it. Even if it is a help to the church or a ministry or whatever. Let's look at it. I'm kind of struggling to say what I want to say today because I feel like I'm not getting it out the way I want to. All right, all right. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Amplified says, uh, be satisfied with your current circumstances. Now, no, he's not saying being content with anything that's not of God taking place in your lives. And no, this isn't coming against believing for more or faith and striving for more or to be more or to do more. It's not that. What is to be content biblically? 
1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. So in reading on in this chapter, we can see he's talking about covetousness, like uh, verse 10 saying the love of money is the root of all evil. But then verse 17 says we are to trust in the God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So no, he's not saying, well, you just need to be happy with the food you got and the clothes on your back and that's it. This is where that poverty mentality was made into the church, unbalanced preaching on money. What it is saying is that you need to always have an attitude of being content And that combined with godliness, as it says in verse 6, is going to produce much gain. One translation says, immense profit. So from what I see, it looks like contentment is a spiritual force, just like faith is. And well, wouldn't that kind of work hand in hand anyways? Because to be able to be content, while I'm still yet wanting more, or still striving for more, or believing for more, but to be okay right here with what's going on right now, and having faith that God is doing the rest, and in his time, It will come to pass, so I can rest in that and be okay. I'm seeing too many, and I always have to use here, not because I have bad people here. I have great people. Um, I, you know, it's not because I have bad people or those that are somehow struggling more than anybody else. No, I, I have the same people everybody else has in their ministries, but I use our people not to pick on them because they're awesome, but they are just people just like anybody else, and I'm watching these things play out where somebody loved a thing here that they were doing until it became until they became uncontent with it. Now it's, I want bigger, I want better, I can do this, I can do that, and you aren't letting me do this, and you aren't letting me do that. Well, now you're not even doing what you once loved in the beginning because of pride. And so now they become a victim. And it's really because God's blessing won't be on what you're doing because it's all about you and what you perceive as your talents and your worth to it and well. You have way outpresented yourself as any help at all now. Others love the church, no doubt, ministering to, you know, ministering to me, love it, great message, changed my life. Love these people, my family, but I want the microphone. I want people to hear what I have to say. I want and not content and well, now doing nothing and not even showing up. This is how the devil gets into people. It's not us, friends. It's your pride. He is sneaky. He's dividing because he wants to conquer. And well, like we said before, the body will survive without a finger, but a finger will not make it without a body. So you're dying now. You have to become content with where God has you right now, doing all you can where you are right now. Those people I see, um, they're not ever doing anything great where they were, let alone thinking I'm going to let you do more, bigger. No way. That would be irresponsible. You never fully did the last thing. So why would I have you do something? That's just pride, friend. Contentment is a spiritual force just like faith is. And just as fear and faith are opposites, so is dissatisfaction and contentment. The root of being dissatisfied is pride. And when you leave that unchecked in your life and allow it to continue to operate, it will lead you to make decisions that ultimately bring destruction to your own life. Self-destruction. Don't even have to blame the devil for this one. Nope, it's you. And again, I'm watching this play out in people I see here. Pride causing them to make decisions and they are self-destructing. No, they're trying to blame the church and others and me, but they're running out of things to blame because it's a broken record with them. Same thing every time. Watch this. Do you recognize this in yourself? Same thing. Do you know that it is statistically impossible for it to be their 
fault every single time, whoever they are, it's a pattern with people. Remember, we talked about Saul blame shifting. And so I know right away by listening, and yes, it happens to be people here. I recognize by listening to them when I first meet these people that they have an issue with pride because all their stories were the same. Well, I used to work here, but they were all against me. I used to go to church here, but they were all against me. And now the pastors were against me. They were against me. Oh, I see, I see. It's not even possible that 100% of the time it's always their fault. We have to wake up and take responsibility. You're self-destructing. We're dealing with a few here that are like that right now. Philippians 4 and verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So we can see that being content is something that you're going to have to learn to do. We have to train ourselves to do. And again, definitely by faith, right? That he had to learn to practice contentment in whatever state that he was in. So obviously, not just when it's all going your way and going good, right? No, you should, you should um, maintain this all throughout the issues in your life. Now, no, it doesn't mean that you sit back and just take whatever comes down the line. Philippians 3, 14, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He was still pressing, not giving up on that future of what was to come. I, I can see bigger and better is coming, but he was not going to be lazy about it. But he was also not going to allow that to cause him to stop where he was and drop everything until... It came to his liking either. He's going to be content while waiting. I'm about to show you some things here. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. So from what I see here, that no matter the current state that you are in, no matter the circumstances you face, you are, main, you are to remain content to the point of not being disturbed or disquieted. If you don't, you are now limiting God's ability to lift you out of those situations and circumstances. I, I've had to, I had to learn this. And by the way, did you catch this now? Shut up about it. Shut your mouth, stop talking, texting, posting about it. Don't be disquieted. You're only hurting yourselves. And by the way, by the way, it all comes out. So you should probably never do that thinking it's just going to be between you and somebody else. It never is. Never. I know because, again, it happens here all the time. There are a couple of them who are working themselves right out of what eventually could have been something. But you don't keep your mouths off of it, and it gets back to leadership, and guess what? You're disqualifying yourself. No way after some of the stuff that I have read that I could allow certain people to do anything here. No way. They've allowed themselves to make decisions that are bringing in self-destruction. And of course, it's because they're deceived. Check this out. Little checklist for you. Well, I don't deserve this. Does that sound familiar? I don't deserve this. Does that sound familiar to you? Why is this happening to me? They're trying to punish me. I attend church as much as so-and-so and they get to do. I know what the Bible says like anybody else, so this shouldn't be happening to me. I've got more experience than so-and-so. Why are they up there? I have more education. I, I Self-centered attitudes. And what is the root? It's pride. 
even if you're doing your little confessions and praying and believing God, you will have difficulty. God's going to have difficulty in responding because of your motives are flawed. Self-centered desires, exalting one's self. And as it said in Corinthians, that no flesh should glory in God's presence. It's all him. Guys, all of this is his, people. You actually got nothing. So again, very important that your desire for more of God's presence and power does not turn into dissatisfaction with the blessings that God has already given you now. Come on, we can see that. Those things that we were just so happy with, you know, when they happened, right? I mean, but then it isn't long. Now people are miserable. They hate the very thing that they love because they've allowed the devil to deceive them. And now he's killed and stolen. He's destroyed that relationship. And so now there isn't any chance of something happening. Where, where God called you to be a part of the body, and, and so now they bounce around from place to place trying to fit in somewhere that they were never called to be in in the first place. So now, no, of course you won't fit. Never satisfied. Never able to fully walk into what it is that God has planned for you because you're bouncing around trying to fit into a different body because you were dissatisfied with the body that you were actually called to be in. Right? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Pray, people. Come on, pray. Talk to God in these times that you feel unsettled and upset. Not Facebook. Talk to God. Not texting and emailing and griping and complaining. You got to pray. God knows what's going on, and you got to be thankful. Be thankful for how far God has brought you already. Being honest, you can look back and you can see that. He is faithful. And let those requests be made known. And what? Knowing that once you have, you rest in his faithfulness. The peace of God can then pass even your understanding. Meaning, he can make you happy with where you're at again. Be at peace with it, even while pressing towards more. And that can and will guard your heart. It's going to guard your mind too. No more torment about it. No more getting upset about it. So in order to make any progress, you're going to have to be content with where you are. And at the same time, though, hey, I'm going to keep pressing towards the mark for the high calling. His high calling, right? Not your high calling. His high calling for you. That's where you're going to find that abundance of life that he's called you to. Guys, I know this. Listen, I was working at an usher at my church, and it happened to be somewhat of a higher profile church in its connections with other ministers pastors and missionaries and teachers and evangelists, right? My, the particular pastor of that church was a part of a particular organization that oversaw, uh, you know, a hundred other churches in two states, you know, somewhere around there, right? And so we, we had a lot of meetings. We had a lot of connections. We knew a lot of people. And so I'm, I'm the head usher at this, at this particular church where it's a little more high profile and it's connections with other ministers. And so we would have them all, right? And there were a bunch of connections and relationships made. And so here's the thing now, I attended the same Bible college as all of them in that particular organization, and many in the church as well who were on staff, right? I'm talking about scene positions, if you will, where praise and worship leaders or youth pastors, let's say, right? I mean, those that are in some positions, children's minister. I'm, I'm head usher. And so I'm ushering. But yet at the same time, I'm out here seeing people raised from the dead, I'm going on missions trips all over Africa and El Salvador, traveling to people's homes, all over, flying all over the country, praying for people, seeing crazy miracles, and ushering at the church. And the temptation is to begin to get anxious because you know there's more. 
you get a glimpse, you get a preview of the movie, right? That's coming. You don't get the whole movie and I can see the preview. God is doing big things in my life. The temptation comes then, well, why am I ushering? Why am I ushering? You know there's more. You get a glimpse and you want it. Now here's all these guys, high profile ministers, and I'm ushering catching people in prayer lines and taking up offering buckets for these guys, getting their water and carrying their Bibles, right? Parking cars and straightening chairs. And yet I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm working miracles. I'm getting people born again by the hundreds and healings and baptisms. And I'm doing, I'm doing my own tent revivals, right? I mean, uh, baptized in the Holy Ghost, casting out devils. And, but I'm not preaching up there with them. I mean, come on, I'm, I'm getting results, right? I had to be... I had to become content with where I, lo- uh, where I was. And let me tell you, you, you got to put that crap down. And let me tell you something. It was such a blessing to be able to usher. Once I didn't allow that garbage to affect that, guys, I, I mean, some of the funnest times I have ever had in a church were those times. And it became an honor to be there right? I mean, it was so awesome knowing that I was a part of the overall cause for Christ because in the end, it's about him, not which side of the prayer line I was on. I'm serious. It was such a blessing, but that stupid pride was always there trying to say, come on, you're getting more people healed than that and you're catching for them. They wouldn't, they wouldn't give you the time of day to preach in one of their revivals or meetings with these guys. And you're getting more people born again in your revivals and healed in your revivals. And you got more people born again than the whole church and you're picking up cigarette butts for them. Shut up, devil. And then what? Eventually, I was able to walk into a part of what God was having me do now. And guess what? Here's something that's just a bonus for you. Because I never could have imagined, honestly, being where I am now. I saw glimpses and I knew I was going to do some things as an evangelist at that time, right? I mean, I never dreamt I was going to be a pastor. I mean, evangelism was my thing, still is. You know, we're very evangelistic in what we do, but I'm just saying this. This is a bonus for you. I sowed my life into those people, and there's coming a day that you're going to need to reap that harvest of what was planted. And I'm seeing now those who are faithful to come alongside and help me here. And the Lord told me it's because I was content to sow what I had and give and do it cheerfully. And now I see it paying off. That's a bonus. Keep that in mind. You're always, hey, listen, you're going to need help someday. So you better become the kind of help now that you'll want in your life later. And I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that. I love it. I love it. I know I'm going to have to break this one up in a few podcasts. I'm seeing what I need to say. So let's go this direction then for the remainder of the podcast. Okay. This concept of I, I press I press toward the prize. I press toward, oh, let's talk about this now. This is, this is going to help you. It says I press towards the mark. Did you see it? He didn't say the prize. He didn't say he was pressing towards the high calling, right? Come on, I'm just seeing this. This is so good, guys. This is so good. This is going to help you. He said, I'm pressing towards the mark. What is that? The immediate goal or objective sat before him right here, right now that he was able to stay on course because of the mark in front of him. So in bowling, okay, my father was a semi-pro bowler when I was very young. 
uh, and each lane has markings on the floor a few feet out in front of the bowler. Good bowlers use these marks to aim their ball so that ultimately it strikes the pins in the proper place. They do not aim at the pins. They focus on the marks that are set before them. That's what this is all about here. You may not yet know the depth of all the things that you will ultimately do for God, and you may not be able to see all the way out there to achieve that, but God has given you a word to press towards the mark, not the ultimate goal in the end, the mark that is set before you today for the purpose of ultimately getting to the high calling that prize. So let me let you in on a little something. This mark is the same for all of us, no matter. The ultimate calling, the mark, is the exact same that is set before all of us. You don't get to skip it. What is it that we are to press towards? Servanthood. I know, I know you love that one. Servanthood. No, now I'm not saying, you know, we're servants and not children or friends of God. I think we missed, I think we missed that servants serve out of fear of punishment. If they don't do it, sons and daughters still serve. We do it out of love. So Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? You remember these guys asking? And Jesus' answer was ultimately the one who would be servant of all. And then Jesus washes their feet. You think about this. Jesus washed their feet. Service is a key to maintaining that outward focus that's going to keep you from becoming disqualified and dissatisfied. It is the mark set before you that we should measure every thought and every action. What am I aiming for? I'm aiming for that mark that's right here because if I hit the mark here, the consequences in the end will be amazing. But unfortunately, many of us have a very negative view of servanthood, of being a servant. And some of that is wrong preaching, and some is, is that we have been abused at times by those who missed their marks. So they're trying to use people to get somewhere in life, and that's still not going to work. It is not degrading people, but, but we sure don't equate uh, servanthood to winning, do we? But if we're ever going to win the prize of the God kind of life, you're going to have to change what you think about being a servant. So the more that you are pressing towards this mark of, the servant, of servanthood, the closer you are in getting to the ultimate prize and the high calling. God honors faithfulness. He does because he's faithful and it works in every area of your life. If you work, if it works with money, it works with time, it works with talent and love and friendship. You'll want all of that eventually to return to you, I promise, in a harvest. It releases the power of God into your life. Isaiah 40, 29 and 31, he gives power to the weak and to those that have no might, he increases strength. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. So this phrase, wait upon the Lord, isn't the sitting around type of waiting for something to happen. It's being a servant, like in a waiter in a restaurant, waiting upon the Lord, serving the Lord. And when we do, look what it said, power to the weak, right? No might, now find increase in strength, renewing of strength, and run and not get weary, walk and not faint. In every circumstance, pressing towards the mark, not the prize, but the mark, can turn everything around. All right, let me, let me try to wrap this one up. So Job, he figured this out, right? Big problems. Uh, Satan had done his worst that he could on Job. And for 41 chapters, here's Job trying to get God to heal him completely. 
and focused on his own needs the entire time. And listen, there is no doubt that it, well, it just sucked. It was horrible. And man, just really terrible things that took place, no doubt about it. He loved God. God loves him. And here he is, for some reason, just can't seem to figure out how to get this divine provision and power of God to operate in my life here. But then chapter 42 takes place. He begins to serve the needs of others, and it says he prayed for his friends. Instead of focusing on his own needs, which I would argue were way worse than anything his friends combined could have been going through at that time, right? Right? I mean, come on. No, the power of God was immediately released into his life and what? Healed. He was healed. Well, watch this though. But that's just not enough, right? I mean, you think about God. I'm trying to make a point here because it's so easy for us to compare wounds in the church. I hear it all the time. Oh, you think you got something going on. Huh. You think you got, huh? Let me tell you a story. We try to one-up each other on our scars and pain and troubles. Eventually, he had to stop and say, look, I'm going to pray for you. Now, I know y'all don't have troubles like I have, not even close. Combined, you don't even know, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to begin to pray for you. And the power of God was immediately released into his life, and he got healed, but, which would have been great at this point, but do you understand that's not enough for a God of too much? He also ended up with twice as much, twice as wealthy as he had ever been. And, and I mean, he had, he, had, he had done pretty good up to that point before it was all stolen, right? So twice as much. So in your life, just like Job, the power of God will be released when you begin to focus your life towards the mark of service for others. It'll heal you, restore you, bless you, meet all your needs as you do it. And it will begin to open the doors of opportunities as it closes the doors of deceptions. And you're going to find yourselves in places doing things you never dreamed that you would ever do. Listen, as that usher, happy to do it, loved it, fun, exciting, right? When I accepted that, when I'm like, I'm going to keep, I mean, guys, we had ministers that would come in and call me out as an usher and tell me of the great things I was going to do. Ridiculous, silly things that, well, actually came to pass. It was crazy. Television shows and writing books. Come on. I'm just a head usher in a town of 900 and a church of 75 people. And I'm going to tell you, it's amazing. All of a sudden, as the door of deception closes, you find yourself in places doing things you never dreamed you would ever do as an usher. Again, happy to do it. Exciting. It was a blessing. All of a sudden, I'm, I soon find myself in front of kings in other nations that I've never even heard of. No, I'm talking about ministering to heads of governments, governors here in the U.S. and overseas as well, sharing the good news of the healing gospel of Jesus, celebrities here in the U.S., praying for them and their family, meeting celebrities, movie stars and, 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 and music stars, praying for them and, and their family members, businessmen and women, Fortune 500 types, and yes, in villages and towns and cities all over the planet. As God increased my visibility, as he would ask, who shall I send? Well, there's Donnie. He'll go for me. He's faithful. He'll drop it all and go for me. Why? I was only looking at the mark. I was only looking at the mark. What do you want to do today? Influence in communities. Shoot, Michelle just got out of a ticket four counties away because of the highway patrolman was somebody I administered to a few years ago. I know that's silly, but it's true. 
he's still propelling me towards my dream. And one day you will look up and realize I'm standing in the high calling of God for my life. That place of purpose and provision, that place of fulfillment and meaning and blessing is how you pursue the mark. And how you pursue the mark, it's going to help you avoid dissatisfaction. It gives you meaning. It gives you purpose. So press today, people. Press towards the mark. Find that place of servanthood. Hey, even though the ugly flesh says I should be doing something else, put that down, knowing that God is faithful. One more thing. In my third closing, very evangelistic, I'm about to close my third closing. This is what's going to help you do it because it's true. We all have things from the past that make their way into present day attitudes about this and that. And and actually, it actually has nothing to do with where you are right now. I always say that we make people pay for others' sins. But let me say this right here before Paul said to press towards the mark of servanthood, he said something else that's going to make it possible. Forgetting those things that lie behind. Past mistakes, past failures made by you and made by others towards you. If you're always mindful of the things of the past, it's really hard to hit that mark in front of you when you're always looking back behind you. This will be especially important in maintaining contentment because all the dissatisfaction is rooted in the past. Don't allow the past to spoil the right now and the future. I see it every week. has nothing to do with us. It's people's past issues making their way into today's plans. If you could not remember anything that took place in the last minute, we would have nothing to be upset about, would we? No, you'd be very excited for what lies ahead. Allow God to heal you. And it's that, it's that um, peace that passes all understanding. It's going to guard your heart. It's going to guard your mind. And then you can see the mark. Hit the mark, right? Hit that mark and start that path to the high calling and the prize that awaits you. All that nasty pride is such an ugly thing, isn't it? Got to close off that doorway of deception, friends. Find the place that God has called you to and hook up and get to serving right there. Get the eyes on the mark. Well, I promise you, you'll eventually hit the prize. And always remembering to be kind, be the kind of person now that you would want helping you later because you are planting seeds and there is going to be a harvest coming into your life someday. That's all the time I have for today. I I didn't even get close to how far I thought I was going to get today. But that's all right. We went where God wanted us to go. I'm your host, Don Allen. Until next time, my eyes are on that immediate mark before me. You know, I'll be attempting the ridiculous and achieving the miraculous. Whoa!